0: you're about to experience the new way to thrive in martial arts by exploring who you are, what you love, and standing up for what you believe in. It's time to rise because this is where we challenge and say no to outdated industry norms and say yes to change so that we create a healthier, happier, and thriving martial arts community. I'm your host, Laurine Zuhake. Welcome to the Rise to Thrive podcast. In today's episode, Anka and I dive deep into the topic and concept of self-defense. What is self-defense? What can you guarantee? And what not? Anka Fisher trains martial arts and self-defense for over 20 years and specializes in teaching women's self-defense. From teenage girls all to women who end up in potentially dangerous situations due to their jobs as paramedics, teachers, or due to traveling. Let's get right into it. Welcome Anke, please tell us, who are you and how did your martial arts journey start?
1: Hi, thanks for having me. My name is Anke Fischer. I am 46 years old. I um, work as a makeup artist, usually, (laughs) and I got into martial arts in uh, 1998 because I was working late and I was traveling a lot and I thought it might be smart to know a little bit about self-defense. And that's when I discovered uh, Wing Tsung in my hometown. They had an advertisement that it would be good for smaller people against bigger people, and it would be good for self-defense. And so that's when I actually um, started to train martial arts. Then in 2009, I discovered Krav Maga. And I thought that, would, that was much more appropriate because they dealt with Well, self-defense, it was their business. It was not a martial art that was used for self-defense, but they they just basically, I mean, that's what they're there for. They built a system that will um, help you defend yourself with the easiest tools, taking from any kind of different martial arts. So I was hooked there um, and I was more interested and and, uh, I started to really get into that. And so I finally uh, quit Bing Tsung because uh, I thought, well, it's nice, but I'd rather learn anything that will help me defend myself instead of going through um, movements that are nice, but you know, will not eventually do not do much for me. Yeah, I, I trained a lot, and I was very curious about everything. And then I don't know, I just <laughs> kept training, and um, then I ended up taking an instructor class, and I passed. And so, in two thousand and fifteen, I started teaching. Mixed classes, and in 2016, I um, took over the women's self-defense class, and that was quite an experience for me because for me, I'm some, I'm somebody. I push through. I don't, I, I don't mind to train hard, and I don't have any negative experience um, in my background with with violence. So um, I push through. I have no problems with uh, training hard and getting pushed around. And so, um, when I started teaching the women's class, I discovered that, well, for most women, <laughs> that is a problem. <laughs> so I really had to adapt, and I, um, I started to get into that problem of how to deal with violence, how to tell people um, what the problem really is, that if you take a self-defense class, it's not gonna be over when you learn some nice techniques and you get out there and it's fine, nor you're gonna be facing violence. And it really needs some, um, some easing into for most people. And so the more I taught, the more I discovered that I need to find a way to get everybody kind of on the same page and hope that everybody be able to learn at their level and kind of um, progress forward from that. And So that was quite a task, (laughs) but uh, I love it. And um, it's really something that I want to explore more. I also started to learn uh, BJJ in uh, 2014. And, um, that was, uh, something that I really enjoyed because it's just like for women, that's such a game changer to know how to move on the ground. And even though I just use the basic skills in BJJ for self-defense, it just, uh, makes your movement so much more efficient. So that's really a game changer. If you combine, like, especially for women, combine the, the Krav Maga techniques and then, um, all the stuff you get from, from BJJ. So, um. Yeah,
0: that's uh, that's quite nice. That's a lot. And I think it's so great when you can kind of sample different martial arts and get like the good things out of them and pass them on. I think that's very useful. I mean, I also one point at university did Aikido and I was like, one point they were just like falling and I really asked them, I remember like, does this really work? I mean, it looks nice. And the movements look so gracefully and beautiful. But I asked them like, did I really make you fall? And they said yes. And at one point I was like, I cannot believe it, you know? So I think that there's martial arts that just looks super beautiful aesthetically. And then there is are indeed martial arts where, you know, you get things done because you have actually a person, um, a, a partner that challenges you and also defends, defends against you, you know? Like, I'm not saying like a street defense, which will go later in but just the fact that you have a resisting opponent or a resisting training partner changes everything in a martial art yeah and that's the point exactly
1: it, even it's like when you compete when you're in bjj and you want to um you want to compete and you think okay i'm okay on the mat and i do quite well and then you go into the competition and you face somebody who wants uh, that medal as much as you do and um, it's a whole different story and in self-defense it's basically the same thing you're up against an opponent who really wants something from you and He's not gonna back off so um, yeah it, it really has to work
0: <laughs> so then let's talk a little bit when you told me about starting to teach women self-defense and that you realized that for most women just training hard or pushing through is hard was that because of trauma that they experienced a bad experience they had or maybe also because Grabbing somebody. I also noticed there are also enough women that don't necessarily have a negative background, but for them just to grab somebody or just to push or kick or punch somebody is like very difficult. What what are your experiences there?
1: Well, yeah, the thing is that we're um <laughs> it's actually it's a society thing because it's rude. It's rude to say no, it's rude to grab somebody, it's rude to hit somebody or push somebody. So what you get a lot with the beginners like, oh I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> you don't need to apologize. I mean, we're trying to treat each other with respect here, but we also need to train. So don't apologize all the time, you know, just get it over with. See what what each person can handle and and try to just kind of work along that. And um, once they get into that and and, and see what it's about, they will uh, develop a different mindset and then try to challenge each other. But in the beginning, it's like, yeah, I mean, of course, you're not used to somebody you know, grabbing you or strangling you or pushing you around. And also doing that is, is hard because you don't know how because you would never do that.
0: So do you have strategies or specific games how you just build this up or what? How do you kind of get them to move and get them to grab other people or push other people?
1: Well, um, I try to, to um, for warm-up drills, I try to do movements that um, have to do with what we'll do later in class, so they get used to the movement first. And then when we're actually um, applying the techniques, I explain what it's for and basic um, points are, you know, what to take care of and what to consider. And uh, then I just let them go through it like a, let's call it choreography, so they know what the movements are and when they understand that, and I say, okay, now try to push or, uh, you know, Try to hit the other person while um, she's doing it, so so they get thrown out of balance or you know they're startled. And um, yeah, everybody's learning at their pace, and you usually know you know the person you're facing that okay with her maybe I have to be a bit a little bit more careful, and then uh, maybe with somebody else I can really get at it. And <laughs> I have students who really they like each other, and when they see each other and they do sparring or they do techniques on each other, they will really uh, try to challenge themselves. So yeah.
0: Yeah, it's meeting where they are at. I mean, we tend to play like many games first, like from a bit distance and then, but always kind of with a partner. But as long as you make a game out of it, then the stakes are low. Like the moment it kind of really becomes competitive. That's where many people freeze up. But the moment, because that's for the nervous system, they, they you know, it gets aroused so much that then, you know, you can get kind of this fight flight of people that kind of like over like give too much, get overly aggressive. They have found that, and also studies also show that when you keep it playful, and it's really just games, so there's not really right and wrong, there's not really winning and losing, then people ease up, and that's when they start moving, because in the end that's what you want, that they start moving. And that's also how they get used to some pushback, but realizing that pushback can also be a good thing, that pushback actually is what will make you grow. And like in the safe environment, and I mean, in the Fire of method, we, we have many of such games because it's like so nice also for people without trauma or anything. Also with kids, adults, it is is a lot of fun because they kind of play. And afterwards, when you do techniques or also sparring, they are again a bit more playful. So they also dare to think a little bit out of the box. And usually they find so many things along the way that they're like, oh, I never knew I could do that. So that's like one thing that we have noticed in general. So let's move on to self-defense. It's a big topic. It's a contested topic. And there are many ways and perspectives to to approach self-defense. So what is your definition of self-defense?
1: My definition of self-defense is that you should be able to set boundaries with words and with adequate actions um, to be smart, safe and skilled enough to deal with any kind of threat which means that um, your mind has to be there. You have to recognize situations. You have to act accordingly. And what comes last, of course, is the is physical thing, which is the hardest. But if your mind is there and if you're prepared, um, I think the possibilities that you might freeze up are really getting uh, less and less.
0: Mm-hmm. Any situation. So you talk also about home situations, work situations, and on the street, or specifically more towards the street?
1: Well, street first, yes, but also, like, um, at work, if you have that one person that approaches you all the time, and tries to touch you, like, in a friendly way, but it's not really, I mean, you don't like it, and mm-hmm. the point where you forget or we, where you don't say, you know, I'm sorry, I don't like that, in a way that will not offend that person, but most, most women don't like it. They will, they will let um, other colleagues, like, get too close or, or get in an uncomfortable position and not say anything. Um, sometimes also because that person might be um, above that person, like uh, now we have an, an, a power imbalance, which is also a big issue, but yeah, that's, that's the thing, I mean, learn to, to articulate yourself, also during everyday life, you know, just say no, just be very polite about it and be kind and just say, you know, um, I'm sorry, that's not okay with me, and that's where it all
0: starts. And do you also go into like the fears of, indeed, if it's somebody above you, like your boss or somebody who's just, I don't know, has a higher position, you're afraid for, well, being ostracized or punished if you dare to, you know, set a boundary?
1: Yeah, of course. But that's why um, some women don't do it.
0: So that's why I ask. So what would be the way to to change the mindset?
1: Well, just when I address that during training, I ask them to think about the situations and think about what words they could use to like very politely tell that person that it's not okay. Or even like um, jokes, uh, like sexist jokes. Um, It's okay when when both persons kind of uh, like it or play with it or they're okay with it or they're very friendly. But if somebody um, oversteps the line and um, you're very uncomfortable with it, Mm -hmm. uh, if if I address that person, I say, you know, um, I'm sorry, but for me, that's not funny. Usually if that person is okay, they would say, oh, I'm sorry. But if that person kind of meant it and was, um, was actually trying to do exactly uh, what, what we fear, is <laughs> like um, stepping over that line and, and making you feel uncomfortable, then we uh, will probably say something like, um, well, um, you know, I, I didn't mean like that, or, or what's your problem or something like that. But like any normal person that you would tell, um, I'm sorry, this is not funny for me, and it's kind of over the line, they would say, I'm sorry. I mean, people are not that dumb. So there we go into victim blame again. It's like putting it um, where it doesn't belong.
0: Yeah, but even if they push back, I still know. I still believe that they understand what is going on, but that indeed you get into all gaslighting and this kind of stuff. All right, back to like self defense. So these are like things that they are verbally, so not very physically. So, how how does a typical self defense class? looks like do you classes and also specific courses how does that work out do you have like two different types or just one
1: right now i teach uh, weekly self uh, w- weekly women's self-defense classes uh, which is nice because they can just come in and like uh, grow and explore together um i think it's much harder to do when, when you uh, do a seminar it's hard to incorporate everything and then kind of you know you have to have a point a selling point for people attending and so they take something home from it so the weekly classes are really nice because you get to know the the ladies and um you can start working on on what's really important and you see their weak points and you can really slowly develop a stronger body and mind for self-defense so um that's really what i enjoy i also started a project with uh, teenage girls because i thought you know like the teenagers like from 12 to 17 maybe that's when they start to explore and go out and they're facing much more different problems than before and that's never addressed because i have um, i have friends of course with uh, teenage girls and and there are so many other problems and so many uncertainties that are just not addressed and also in the 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 physical and physical context so um i started that and i was really happy with that group <laughs> I had six classes, I said, you know, we're going to keep it like a workshop where I do six classes. And I, I try to teach them about um, not only uh, the self defense techniques, but also about how would you react if somebody uh, sits down next to you in a bus and you don't like that person or maybe starts to grab you or, you know, grope you, whatever. Or uh, what is cyber grooming? What is sexting? Um, just stuff like that. And I try to cover... A lot of things that are seldom addressed because it's very uncomfortable. <laughs> just to talk about it and just to give them an idea of how they could react or what options they have. And um, so that made them feel much more safe because they said, you know, um, just thinking about, oh, I can do this and I can do that and I have that option. I can go somewhere safe. I can go and get help from other people or just tactics really that helped them a lot. And of course, the, um, the self-defense techniques uh, so they know that it's worth fighting for. It's not that well, it's hard to fight, but they can fight, they can kick, they can punch. And if they have to, they will. So uh, yeah, that was something that I, I really enjoyed.
0: I imagine. I mean, it's like and it's the future, right? And when we can keep them safer or at least give them the tools that you know when they are confronted with difficult situations that they have a good chance of using the appropriate strategies to get out, safe and sound, it would be great. But for that, you need a very solid mindset because it's like, I think one of the common misconceptions in martial arts in general, and maybe self-defense in particular, is that you can be very skillful, you can be very competent in physical things, but when the mindset doesn't play its part, if you are indeed in a, um, I wouldn't even say street, it can also be usually with women, the most um, sexual abuse and assault happens with somebody you know. So when you are in such a situation, it's also very hard then to kind of unleash, so to speak, this inner inner savage when you have to. So how do you work with mindset? Because if the amygdala, the, the fight, flight, freeze, phone response says, freezing is in this context, the most appropriate response, but that's what your nervous system thinks. You can be the best striker, the best uh, martial artist in the world, but then you will still freeze and probably still end up getting abused.
1: Absolutely. And that's the hardest thing to teach. And that's the thing that worries me most. And that's just why I am, I'm really always trying to find new approaches to see what works, how, how they react. But it's still in class. You know. You don't know. I just tell them that they have to set their boundaries. And I think with setting boundaries, you know, it starts in your head. You say, I recognize the situation. It's wrong. I say, no. Okay, I, I, um, I got that. So now I have to act on that, which is hard. That's something that every person has to decide for themselves. But for mindset, of course, I do striking. I let them I let them yell and say, you know, say no or whatever and be loud. And this is like the hardest thing. You tell them, you know, you, you have to be loud, you have to say no, you have to shout something. And that is so hard because they're embarrassed or they don't want to do that. It's not only teenage girls, it's women also. Sometimes I tell them just, you know, scream at each other in class and then they're like, oh my God, this is so hard. And I said, there's nobody here. You can can be loud, you can do anything, and and nobody's going to laugh because we all feel the same way. And then once they get over it and they're really loud, they say, oh my God, that felt so good. I said, yeah, because we're programmed not to be like that, and that's a real problem. And um, so I try to, well, approach it from both sides, like from the starting to say no part, and then when I go through the self-defense techniques, I always tell them that if they have a problem or it gets too much and they start to kind of freeze up because they don't know a lot, uh, what to do, I try to reset or just kind of talk them through it so they know. Okay, this is class. I made a mistake. I can fix that. I can go back and I can fix that. I can I can get my power back. I can um, I'm here to you know get rid of that mistake. Of I, I can analyze what's wrong and uh, just get moving. And that's really. Um, Like I said, it's the hardest thing to do because everybody's different and reactions are different. And um, so, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think with mindset, it's very important to let students, regardless of whether it's self-defense, I think anyone, also university, you know, high school, middle school, everywhere, to make them understand the difference between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. I mean, in a fixed mindset, you believe that if you're talented at something, kind of putting effort in it to getting better is kind of like a bad thing because you know, you are talented, so you're supposed to do well, you're supposed to maybe win matches or whatever it is, or be a great musician. And often, then when it doesn't happen, or when somebody tells you like, oh, you failed this test, or you lost a match, they often then think like, yeah, but I'm talented. So putting more effort in it, like it's not worth it, because I think it reflects immediately on their ability and their whole being. Whereas, I'm just talking about the fixed mindset people, how people tend to think. There's also other people, the growth mindset. But I know for many women also in self-defense that when something happened to them in the past, we first need to get them out of this fixed mindset that they think, yeah, but I couldn't do anything. I didn't have a choice. So also, in um, there was lately also a a comedian, stand-up comedian, and she was she's just making a sketch about uh, BJJ, a little bit lame, but still, and at one point she... Her her um husband was like, yeah, why don't you also do, you know, start BJJ? And then she said, if, like, if I'm on the street and somebody's going to mount me, I'll just give up. And then there was another lady who um, found that comment very kind of triggering, saying like, you know, that's like bad, bad, bad behavior, girl, she said, because um, um, she said like that gives women the wrong idea, that they shouldn't fight back in a self-defense situation. And I was more like, yeah, but doesn't that give you important information? Because I think that many women probably think the same. And for the record, there are also definitely situations where fighting back might not be the safest option for survival, if that's like what we're talking about. Let's just stay with, you know, fighting back. I was thinking, but isn't that interesting when people are like, it's not even worth to put the effort in it. Because if somebody gets in a specific position, say mount, I'm lost anyway. And I think... In self-defense, but also like in life itself, we really need to somehow get students into this growth mindset that when something goes wrong or they execute a technique not as that should be or didn't work, that it doesn't reflect on their whole being in a negative way. It just means that it's just something that we need to reassess and something we need to improve. Growth mindset people don't believe that they're fixed, that their abilities are fixed. They believe that if I put in the work, whether that's in physical things or also mindset, I can improve. Absolutely. And I think that especially people with bad um, experiences, also often they got kind of bullied sometimes into this fixed mindset. And I think as a coach, the biggest thing you can give them is this growth mindset.
1: Yeah, I'm going to quote something that goes for anything, I guess. Hard work beats talent every time. So, yeah, that's the growth mindset. I mean, and that's what we're there for in class. I mean, we're there in class to make the mistakes so it won't happen again. And um, I hate those people who come to class, it doesn't matter if it's like BJJ or somewhere else, where they always feel like they have to deliver. No, it's nice when you can deliver and it's nice when you have those days where everything's just right and clicks and connects and you're just good at what you do. But it's important to make mistakes so you know um, what to look out for. And that's the same in self-defense. If you make a decision that will get you into a position that's worse, well, you should think about it. And that's what I'm there for so I can point out, okay, I'm glad you acted on something, but maybe um, your response wasn't good. So maybe you want to think about this or maybe that You know, something else can happen if you get into that position. So just be aware and next time try to find something else. And this is also something that I play with at the end of class. I will just let them, depending on, on who's there in class, but I would randomly let them attack each other and they just have to react. And it, it's not like a high level stress drill. It's just so they think, okay, this is my problem. Maybe somebody's stranding me. Maybe somebody's grabbing me and slapping me, whatever. So they just start to react to something so they don't freeze up. And then we can later on, we can assess if it was a good response or not and what we can do better or maybe which techniques we have to review. And so that's how I want to make them get into that, you know, get moving mindset. It's better than, than staying there and not doing anything. But first rule is, Look at the situation. You can't just react because somebody grabs you. Just take that one second and it's just one second to see um, what do I have here? How do I react? Is it aggressive? Is it, is it you know, somebody maybe just grabbing me, but it's not aggressive or, um, you know, stuff like that. It's, uh, it's important to see what you're dealing with. Maybe I didn't see that somebody has like a, a clip a clip on the, on the side of the jeans and maybe that's a knife or maybe somebody has the hand behind the back and I don't know what's in that hand. So yes, it's important to look at the context, and that's just one of the many differences between martial arts and the self-defense, because self-defense addresses that. We use the martial arts techniques to deal with a lot of the self-defense situations, but you have to look at the context first.
0: But in order for you to be able to say somebody grabs you, in order for you to assess it properly your nervous system still needs to be online absolutely because when that goes offline you know you can again be as skilled as possible so how do you train that so say somebody does freeze in class how do you get them to unfreeze and get them moving again
1: i try to talk them through it to to get them back into the situation see okay you know you're fine um think about what you can do and you know try to move here or do that depends on the person and depends on the situation And um, like with the stress drills, when that uh, happens during a stress drill where there's, you know, the level is really high, then I uh, take back the um, intensity right away and say, okay, just, you know, sit back and um, let's look at that again. So yeah, mostly it works. Also, if you catch that early enough, I mean, if I am attacking that person, I usually um, catch it early enough so it doesn't come to that freeze. I just kind of feel that that person is tensing up and then I take back my intensity or say something and then we can kind of uh, work through it. And if the girls are um, working on each other, well, m- but most of them are good enough to to you know not go over that point where somebody really has a problem. They're very considerate.
0: All right. But I also know many stories where that is not happening. So let's also like talk about just what makes a good self-defense coach. Because in the end, If you offer a self-defense, especially female, ladies self-defense class or course, usually you attract then an audience of women that either witnessed or experienced already something themselves. So often, they already have some triggers that you have to work with. So even very simple things can for them be already super triggering to the point that their fight, flight, freeze or fawn is activated. So what are do's and don'ts? I mean, it's good, obviously, you sense it when you have to take a little bit of gas back and you sense when you can give somebody a little more, which is indeed very important. You meet them where they are at. But I also know of many stories where mostly men teaching it, which I always kind of find super weird, um, that they grab and the woman could not escape. So she felt actually horrible because, again, it was proof that she could not escape and that she did not have a choice or in another podcast where it was also talked about, um, you know, that they gave their addresses and that the self-defense coach was like, well, you know, now you gave me your, your living address. So, you know, maybe I'll just wait for you at one point. And then many didn't come back because that is definitely something very, very unsafe to say in a space that should be safe because you're doing things that's out of their comfort zone. But they have to feel safe. Otherwise, the brain cannot, the nervous system cannot learn. So what would you say about all these, and there are many, all these self-defense coaches that somehow try to make the point that the world is unsafe, but women already know that.
1: Absolutely. And this is why the women come in. I mean, I asked them in the beginning, you know, why do you come here? And um, sometimes they answer, uh, it's something that I always wanted to do and now I'm finding the time to do it. Or maybe they had an experience where they felt unsafe and thought, well, I really need to do something about that, which is perfect. Then you have those girls coming in that say, "Um, my boyfriend is stalking me and I uh, feel totally helpless and I want to do something about that, which is already a problem, a big problem. And then of course, you've got the ones that have made that horrible um, experience before. And um, I must say that with some women, it's okay when they take uh, the class like uh, with other people and with some I would much rather work private lessons because then I can address that more. Like I said, the ladies taking my class are very considerate and they really try to take uh, care of each other. But um, it's something that they don't know anything about either. So, you know, what problem the other person has or or why. say they're very considerate but some things you can't address in those classes and sometimes it's okay sometimes um, people with negative backgrounds they fit right in and they um, they work the problem and uh, they're there and it's okay it's uh, they're different but with the coaches yeah now I don't know many other women that teach self-defense classes like by themselves Uh, most of them you have men teaching women self-defense classes and they have like a girl to demonstrate things with. Um, it's it's hard to say. It's, it's one of my projects that I still have coming up <laughs> that I want to make a, like a curriculum where I address everything that is important when you want to teach self-defense. Because it's not only the self-defense techniques. That's just the smallest part, actually. Teaching self-defense techniques, anybody can do that. But um, getting the context, getting the why, and, um, you know, knowing what women go through. I know some men really bother to, and they try to be empathetic and, and, and try to work with that, but still they have not much of an idea what really happened to those women, what happens to them in everyday life and what they go through and what they deal with like on a daily basis sometimes and what's normal for them. It's not normal behavior, but you know, like the cat calling or something like that. It's just, it's just very uncomfortable. And, and um, so, yeah, there are a lot of things to, to talk about, um, and also knowing about the work that the women crisis centers do, for example, stuff like that. Sometimes they don't even know about what they do, where they can get help, you know, what women go through after being raped, what possibilities they have to go to the police or go to um, get um, evidence taken, stuff like that. Or when a woman is being stalked, How can you help that person? What can you tell that person what she can actually do about it? This is like, I call it like theory, stuff you have to research and have to, uh, you have to listen to it and you have to really, you know, see what, um, you know, what problems there are, because of course men don't know. And to be honest, I didn't know some of that stuff because it doesn't happen to me. It hasn't happened to me. And um, I like during COVID, I got more into uh, researching about uh, trauma, about problems that women have, like after being raped or when being stalked or stuff like that. So I really started researching lots of topics that I hadn't touched
0: before. Yeah, I think that women's self-defense, in particular. I mean, we have also, of course, self-defense in general, but I think women's self-defense, in particular, is very broad, as you say, because you have stalking. Um, rape, you have so many different things at the same time. So it's indeed not only just the physical part of learning how to kick and punch. And I also think that perfect technique doesn't really, or the the perfect self-defense technique doesn't exist anyway. I think it's really like the the will and the mindset that gets you out. Of course, it helps when you have a technical background, obviously, but it also takes time to create like when we have these eight weeks women's self-defense courses in our school we also have a regular one but like you know when people just decide they want to do a course rather than do it forever there is only so much technique you can get into so we also focus much more on how we can overload the system in a safe way and and teach them how to respond still well under stress but also how to calm down afterwards when it kind of is done because it's kind of like it's something you can train you can widen the bucket so to speak but you can also widen the hole in the bucket so that can flush out as well you can do both and i think that being skilled in violence indeed being skilled in teaching showing technique is not enough for self-defense i also don't think it's enough for martial arts per se but i think if you take on the role that you really want to help especially women self-defense you need to indeed understand what's grooming all these things how this course of control step by step goes because first you have to recognize it before you can do something about it and especially stalking I mean, what can you do? I know several stories of women. They went, what, five times, 10 times to the police, and they were like, yeah, well, we can report it, but nothing is going to happen until actually something happens. And especially now in, in Great Britain, often many women are then killed. And then it's like, oh, yeah, well, she reported, she reported a million times, but, well, now they're going to investigate. And there are also things where I'm kind of like, yes, there are organizations, but often it's really like after the fact. Is there also something that you know of that is kind of like before shit hits the fan?
1: No, that's that's the problem with uh, stalking. When I got into that, I discovered that the only thing you can actually do is you can try to uh, make your environment safer by assessing, you know, um, where do I go? Where do I park my car? Do I have other people around? Then if you see that person who's stalking you, write a, a stalking diary, that means that Anytime you see that person stalking you, actually, you just write that down. And that's something that you can take to the police later on, which might help to really sell your point. But still, like you say, if nothing happens, they won't be able to do something. So that's really the problem with the police. Also, um, tell friends about it. Tell family. Because if... You know it's known that there is a problem um, other people are more aware and they might de-escalate a situation or help you get out of it but um, yeah stalking is a huge problem but i've also had like women telling me they're terribly afraid and they want to get away from that boyfriend that's been stalking the ex-boyfriend that's been stalking them and uh, they come to class and um, 12 weeks later they're back together with him so
0: but that's a very normal that's really but that's a very normal thing like when it takes you women usually up to what eight times eight times leaving until they can really, really leave. Yeah. Like that is just such a I mean, that's on a psychological level, like very difficult. And I also want to make very clear that for listeners if they are in that situation and they went back or is that there's nothing they didn't do necessarily anything wrong. Absolutely it just it just takes longer for also I mean, they have been conditioned to be independent of this person. So leaving is so hard because I know many once they leave they feel They feel like empty. They don't even know anymore who they are, what they are, who they want to be. And it's very normal response for them to then go back to that what is familiar. They know it's not good. They know it's toxic as hell and unsafe also. But it's that what they know. So it feels familiar. So I think especially um, leaving someone when you're in a toxic relationship, it really takes so much. Indeed, I think peer support, having a community around you if you can is indeed really important soon i will have a shorter podcast about stalking specifically and what i can say already now is that i approached a few women that do a lot also uh, creating awareness regarding stalking and when i asked whether they wanted to have a conversation with me they all declined not because they didn't want to because they said it is not safe for them to do so
1: absolutely
0: and that on its own says everything that when i approached several women and they all cannot because it's unsafe for them literally like physically unsafe then i'm like that says everything regarding stalking because i think stalking is so often misunderstood i mean stalking is not just like messaging it's also like these seemingly coincidences oh do i meet you again or that they go i mean when i broke up with a narcissistic boyfriend he would come to my house like in the middle of the night would also ring would call you know he tried all kind of stuff and and people also, my colleagues, uh, because he was also at the university, they were like, I was creating drama, you know, blaming me for all that, you know, like all this sort of thing, or that, or that I actually wanted it. Mm-hmm. But you know what the, but the bad thing, or I mean, the good thing was when I then came together with my now husband, the moment he saw him, then it was over. So it didn't matter what I did, but he, you know, he couldn't accept my no's or boundaries, and he he went over it time and time again. But only when he saw it, it's basically that I in, probably in his view belong to a different man oh then it was over and that to me is kind of like we need I think that also the police and so many other institutions but also especially the justice uh, department and all that they need to understand stalking and coercive control because often women even when they go through all the right channels they often still get upheld
1: absolutely and th- that's the most frustrating thing for me when somebody actually tells me that they're being stalked it's so frustrating because I can offer them just so much. And self-defense will basically not solve the problem. Like you say, it's uh, it's the other stuff. It's like um, having an exit strategy. It's having people who support you. And that's, you know, I will not solve the problem. That's just a, like a feel better thing that they can do that maybe if worse comes to worse they might be able to do something but um exactly like you say it's all the other stuff before and it's not their fault and for me it's so hard to to see it happen and i can't do anything about it i can just offer you know i'm, I'm there you can talk to me you can call me anytime it's no problem but um it's something that i i i cannot do anything about it's uh
0: now, I think what you consider self-defense is also like in this in this context, like managing the problem up to a point.
1: Well, self-defense like would be also having uh, strategies to deal with that person there to uh, kind of brainstorm to see, OK, he shows up every time that I go to the gym. So what can I do about this? Can I go to another gym? Can I um, ask other people to help me to create Different situations, or tell that person that it's not welcome, or whatever. But that's, like I said, it's uh, tactics, and it has to be assessed for every situation because it's it's different. But you have to really, you have to brainstorm. You have to see what can I do about it. Where does it happen? How does it happen? What can I do? Do I have exit strategies? Am I maybe in a space where I can't uh, escape anymore, and I have to
0: try to avoid that? Mm-hmm. It's really complicated. So let's then. It's connected to this, and it's kind of like the a bit the victim blaming aspect that self-defense could get is like um i remember when things happened to me that people like oh you need to you know learn to defend yourself so that you won't be that you won't remain a victim but i was kind of like excuse me what um, I think this is like a narrative that has been often used because it's often like, yeah, but oh, the person it doesn't need only to be a woman. I mean, there's also kids and men that have been um, victims of violence. But then often it's like, you need to get better. You need to learn how to defend yourself. You need these exit strategies. You you need to do that. And often I'm kind of like, I think it's good for everybody even they learn these things. But I do take issue with that they put so much responsibility on the person who experience something that is definitely not their fault. Of course, they're thrown what happens next. I always say also it's their responsibility then. But I don't think we should kind of victim blame them for it.
1: Now with women, that's a huge issue. Like I said, if, if uh, somebody um, makes sexist joke about you or with you, whatever, and and you say it's not okay, and that person's like, "Oh my God, are you in a period? What's your problem?" You know, you you're not funny or something. That's oh, man, yeah. victim blaming, also. That's like you know, it's your problem, not mine. I'm sorry, you just overstep a boundary like big time. I'm telling you, and now you're telling me I'm stupid. Excuse me. Um, this is where it all starts. And same thing goes for the you know, if you've been sexually harassed. Um, no, it's never your fault. And also, like not being able to react. Yeah this is what happens. I mean, most of the time it's people you know. 80% of the women who are raped, it's, it's somebody they know. It's not that stranger jumping out of the bushes. And that's a misconception because it's so much harder to really start hitting somebody that you actually know because you know that person. You don't want to do that even though he's really doing horrible things to you right now. And that's just something that you need to understand and getting back at what you know, other coaches need to understand that this is the problem. It's not the being able to kick and punch or maybe do a nice self-defense technique. It's it's the whole context of the situation that will, you know, get you killed or not. And like I said, that is the hardest thing to teach because it's something that everybody has to decide for themselves and that's something that will like overpower you because of course you didn't know, uh, you didn't um, see that coming that somebody you know would uh, you know, throw you onto your couch and try to take your trousers off because he thought, you know, I thought he was a friend or he was a colleague or I don't know.
0: So what are the like the, the boundaries of self-defense? So what can self-defense promise to those that seek to take it? And what can they not guarantee? Because they I have seen the most hideous flyers and marketing where they call it rape prevention um anti-rape um that they are or or like stop being a victim as if anyone who doesn't take up self-defense is then by default a victim because they don't do this um what are your thoughts on that and also then in extension what is what are the what can you promise and guarantee with self-defense and what can you not
1: So first of all, with the wording, and I know we talked about this before, like what to call an anti-rape seminar. The thing is that this basically, it also attracts women because they say, oh, yeah, this is what I want. I don't want to be raped. So I take this uh, seminar and like uh, I'm having a seminar like at the end of March. And I really thought about what what to name that seminar so that people know what it's about, but still get the point of what I'm doing there. So um, I called it No Means No, which is basically it says everything. But um, yeah, it's really hard to find wording for all of that. And I sometimes I don't want to go over the top with it to put too much emphasis on the words, but also it's important to acknowledge that, like saying uh, it's an anti-rape seminar, that if you take the seminar, your chances of getting raped or being able to defend yourself are, are way better. Well, yeah, there should be, but self-defense can't promise anything and it shouldn't promise anything it's a possibility for people to get acquainted with the problems with what they might be facing. And uh, we offer solutions to problems that they might be facing, but how the outcome is going to be, that's actually up to the person. And if you have somebody who's teaching it, well, if you got a good coach, a good instructor who will cover many aspects of what you might be experiencing, then the chances of maybe you reacting or getting out of the situation or you know seeing what you're getting into and getting out of it before it happens are bigger but it's still up to that person and like i say it shouldn't and it couldn't promise anything we give you the tools and uh, it's up to that person so
0: i think that's really important to say because there are many out there that do and i think that's a big problem and i also find it is Look, in marketing, you learn that you indeed want to offer a solution to a problem that people have. That's why they buy, because they feel fear or anything like that. And that's why they buy, because they want to have you solve that problem. You know, it's very simple. If you're marketing, also agency, or you have a new product and you want to sell it, you know, it's not, nobody is interested in your product, but they're interested in this problem that you may be able to solve. So the better you can tell them what kind of problems they have, the more likely they're going to buy. Now, that makes sense. It does. But <laughs> for a self-defense thing, then I'm kind of like, when you call it rape prevention or anti-rape, indeed there, you definitely feed into the fear that they have because nobody wants to get raped regardless of gender because it's emotional murder. Um, and also, we also know with the law system, you know, most men just, or most people that do rape, they get away with at least one. Mm-hmm. You know, even if there's enough evidence and all that, so let's also just be realistic about that and also going through the whole legal system. I mean, also in my case, when I went to court, I really did it for other women, not for myself, because I know I don't get anything out of that. Nothing. You just have to go through all you have to hear through all of that. You get questioned with all the kind of these nasty things. So also for that, I understand when women or people like regardless of gender, also kids, you know, of the Catholic Church, whatever, there's so, there's so much sexual abuse. I understand when they do not go through with it. Back to self-defense, when you are feeding this fear and you're saying, you're claiming that you have the solution, I think that's so misleading and potentially dangerous and harmful, because when you give people the idea that after they do this course, that they therefore won't get raped, I think is really doing a disservice. With our self-defense course, I say this is an introduction into self-defense that you kind of get an overview of things that can happen to you to other people or things that you may witness and indeed possible solutions things and that we most of all train how we can still remain rational whilst we are in this fight flight and that we can choose the most appropriate responses to keep yourself safe but indeed I say very clear like this doesn't mean therefore that also me doing martial arts almost all my life like If somebody wants my fucking wallet, they will get my wallet. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm not going to fight over my wallet or if they want my phone. I'm like, you can have it. Please leave me be. And I tried to get the hell out. So that's why I'm very specific because I also went when I was younger, you know, you got self-defense. It was only theory. That was literally only theory and maybe a few ways how to open a grip or something. But if you are like, if your nervous system is super under stress, I'm not going to remember all the theory, the hours of theory I got, you know, like some years ago.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And this is like, you know, my biggest fear teaching. And this is something that I started to realize early on. If I'm teaching those women and maybe something happens to them and they can't react or maybe the... I teach techniques or I would be teaching techniques that really don't work because there's a flaw in them or something like that and um, people would get hurt. I don't know if I can live with that. So I always review techniques and see, you know, is that really possible? I try to get a big Mm -hmm. guy to um, challenge me and really to go rough with me to see, you know, what really works because... At the end, it's not the fancy stuff that works. It's the very, very, um, very, very basic things that will get you out of that situation. And so this is something that I always say that, um, you know, keep it simple. Don't overdo techniques or like uh, leverages or something. And, you know, just you, you, it's a struggle and you really have to fight for it. And it will not be pretty, and you will not be competent, and I won't be competent either. I think if somebody attacks me, I, I, you know, I, I will get out, I guess. But um, it would not look like a Hollywood movie, even though I've been training this for years, <laughs> and it looks good when you do it slow. But you know, if when things really get rough, it's a whole different situation. So yeah, you got to be very, very clear about that.
0: Yeah, I think there's also this big difference. I say always in sports, martial arts, you know, like, I mean, last weekend, I also competed like I'm assertive and intense, but it's not like this, this for me, at least not because I think it's unnecessary to have this kill uh, kind of attitude, because I think for self defense, you need to be aggressive. Like you, it has to be everything, right? Because it's about your life. But I think in, in in sport, martial arts, it's kind of not, I mean, striking is a little bit different, but especially with like jujitsu, like you can tap, like in theory, there I can I know usually I don't get injured. It's for striking different because mm-hmm. you will get most likely injured after <laughs> after the after the match. But I think it also requires a little bit of different a different mindset. So I think their self-defense is definitely different from the regular martial arts, sports martial arts.
1: Yeah, well the goal in self-defense is to get home safely. And the goal on the mat is to win but like you know you can tap or you can uh, you can just stop and in self defense you can't stop so yeah that's the biggest difference of all plus like in self defense you don't know your environment you don't know when you're going to be attacked who's going to attack you so you got a context problem maybe you have issues with environment and surroundings it's not a safe space and the other person might have tools like a knife or whatever and with martial arts you get your ring you got a referee you got your bell You got um, the luxury of tapping out any second or just saying, you know, no, I can't go on anymore. And that's just something that will not happen in real life.
0: All right. Going to the last question. What is your favorite quote or question?
1: That's actually a question. And it's uh, what is your why? Because I think in in everyday life also, we sometimes forget to question why we do things and if we really want to do those things or what keeps us doing those things. So I think everybody should just sometimes take a step back and especially with things that you don't like or um, that, that you take a step back and see why am I doing this? Do I have to do this? Is it really necessary? You know Why do I not like doing it? So to really get your motivation and maybe if you find answers to that, that you quit or you don't do it anymore or you find another way or something like that because We're so involved in in this hustle that everybody has, like with job and friends and family and everything else, that uh, some things are not good for you and you just do them anyway because it's what you do. And so I encourage people to sometimes take a step back and take a deep breath and, you know, see why am I doing this? This Is this good for me? And um, yeah, so that's my quote. (laughs)
0: I like it. It's very powerful, and I think it's a question that we can ask ourselves kind of daily on many tasks, and definitely that will, absolutely, you know, usually will make you keep on going forward, even if it feels a bit like failing forward, but it's forward nonetheless.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't have to be like big things. Sometimes it's just small things that bother you, and you still do them. And you, can, why am I doing this? And you just stop. You think, oh, that was easy, and it's so much better for me.
0: Thank you very much for this conversation regarding self-defense and uh, how problematic and complicated the whole self-defense scene is, as many more aspects of living and being come together. So thank you, Anke. You're
1: welcome.
0: Thank you, Anke, for your insights regarding self-defense from a student and coach perspective. To our listeners... Anke will be taking sabbatical from work, which means she will be teaching and offering both online and face-to-face more self-defense classes, seminars, and privates. In addition, Anke will also offer an online class called Train the Trainer. Please find in the show notes how to reach out to Anke and get started. On a similar note, are you a coach and or training partner athlete that is ready to go next level? In March, you can sign up for the Thrive Drive Method, an online 6-week yet self-paced program that not only teaches you how to become trauma-informed, but also how to challenge, get rid of limiting beliefs in yourself and your students, as well as how to optimize learning and performance in a safe, yet exciting way. What's more, the Thrive method is a growing directory, which means that once you are enrolled, you are enrolled for life. You get access to every future and past expert group coaching call. These calls zoom into specific elements of trauma-informed coaching, such as how can you set students with PTSD, autism, ADHD, eating disorders, and students without trauma, to name a few, up for success. So every time you feel insecure or at a loss how to help a student or training partner, simply log into your portal and learn how to do just that. The thrive type method is designed to make you and your students thrive.